That, um, that clip was uh, actually set in the suburbs of Chicago. For 10 years, I actually pastored a church that was pretty much an hour and a half's drive north of there. And uh, when I was pastoring there, pretty much in the early part of it, a guy came to our church and um, he, uh, he was kind of a pretty broken guy. Um, I didn't get to know him very well at all. I'll call him John. I don't even remember his last name, to be honest. But uh, he had been quite a corporate high flyer. Uh, where, where we were living, there were a lot of corporate high flyers there. And this guy had put an enormous amount of energy into a company. And the company uh, had done absolutely fantastic. And it came to a point where they had grown so much that they either were going to do like a public stock offering or somebody was going to buy them. And it all came down to this meeting at one o'clock. And so he actually headed to New York for this meeting at one o'clock. And uh, the meeting was actually on uh, 9-11. And the meeting was actually in the World Trade Tower. So he never got to his meeting that day because the trade towers were actually uh, uh, basically attacked earlier that morning. The meeting was never rescheduled. The economy went into recession. Uh, pretty soon he lost his company. Uh, then he lost his home. Then he filed for bankruptcy. And then he lost his wife. I don't think he had a dog. And, um, you know, it was just really this terrible situation where he literally lost everything. And uh, he had turned up at our church at some point. He was a friend of somebody and he was just looking for a way to rebuild his life somehow, to uh, basically resurrect any of the vestiges he could with his kids. And, uh, and at some point, uh, he started exploring, like maybe some people are here today, about Jesus. And uh, he came to a point where he made a commitment and he put his faith and trust in Jesus and he started slowly to rebuild his life. And when I spoke to him, and I was talking to him, he said, look, I, I, I know I just can't go back, but I, I really want to do it differently. He said, I was a, a very organized guy. I was a very uh, scheduled guy. But now I, I see that the things that I put my time into were out of balance. And it's cost me dearly, and it's cost the people around me very dearly. And he'd found a, he'd found a verse in, in, in the Bible, or a couple of verses, and, and these were these verses from Matthew six nineteen to 20. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. The way he understood that verse was he needed to invest his life in a whole in mixture of things that were really appropriate and that were really God-honoring. And he realized that the way his schedule looked before, it was just totally business. Didn't really have a relationship with his wife or his kids. They were kind of around. And so this time he said, I want to I wanna get that in, back in balance. And he wanted to move from being imbalanced and overscheduled to organized. He wanted to go forward and have his life 
planned in a way that there was a balance for these really important things that had eternal significance. Because he realized he put all of his eggs just in one basket. And that basket was just taken away from him. He needed to have this incredible balance. He needed to, in a sense, organize his life. He, you know, Steve shared with us last week, he, he really was an exhausted guy because he just had his bucket, as Steve used last week as an example of all of the important things in his life. He had it full of the wrong things. And so he needed to, to change the way he was living. And he did make a change. Didn't pay off overnight. And it wasn't easy. And I realize this now, as we talk through this series, which is called Simplify. And really, we want to encourage you to simplify your life in the sense of just getting less of the things that don't matter and more of the things that do in order. That's pretty much what it's about. It's not rocket science, but it's important, okay? It's important to realize, though, that we go through stages in life. And uh, everybody sitting here is kind of like in a different stage. I, I looked at these parents with these young kids, and, you know, my kids, my youngest are 23. Um, the night we brought our youngest daughter, our oldest daughter home, you know, at 5 a.m. in the morning and no sleep, I turned to my wife and I said, I can't do this. I'm different from other men. <laughs> you know what she said? What are we going to do? Take her back? I just had to learn and change and stop being so selfish and learn how to be a parent. But, you know, there are stages in life where things aren't easy. And so as we go through this series, take a lot of these general things and, and with God's help, apply them. Apply them to your lives as, as you are in a state to do so. Like when you have little kids, for instance, there is no end, is there? It's just one thing after the other. I was so glad to have a job to go to. I really, I just, I thank God I can go to work and, and then come home and they're excited to see me. But it's, it's hard yards at times, isn't it, with young kids? I guess one of the really biggest issues of, in a sense, um, being moving from being overscheduled and having too many things on to being organized is this sense of balance. What, what are those really important things? How did John determine how to change his life and, and organize it in a way that really energized him and that was God-honoring? And I guess one of the questions that if you read this book, Simplify, and I encourage you to do that, we're doing it in our small groups and um, it's a very easy and a good read. One of the things we always have to do when we think about what's important in life is ask the big question. And the big question is always, what does God think is important? What does Jesus think is important? What are the sort of things that he values? Or another way of putting it is if you had the opportunity to peek into God's schedule, if he was a human being, what would it look like? Now, if that sounds like a crazy thing, it's actually not. God did become one of us, truly human, and he did live on earth. And believe it or not, he actually did have a schedule. He actually organized his life. He had to, because like you and me, he had all of these things that were pressing upon him for his time and for his interest. And he knew he had to make the right, important choices. So, Realistically, God's not asking you to do something he hasn't done himself. 
He's asking you to do something that was helpful for him when he was a true human being here. And it's helpful for us and helpful for the people around us. And we could go through Scripture and see all sorts of examples of what it was like when God, Jesus, scheduled his life. But let me just show you one of them. Let me just show you one of them. If we turn to Mark 1, 35 to 38, this is what we read. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Now, when you look at those verses, there's so much in there. But one of the things that really stands out to me is that Jesus had worked out praying, but he worked out the important organization and, and scheduling of his life. He realized there were things that God wanted him to do. And he also worked out that if he didn't work it out, then other people would try and work it out for him and not to the benefit of God's plan for his life. Okay, and I simply want to say, it's up to each of us within having kids and jobs and all of the things that come our way. It's up to us within the freedom we have to make choices, to decide these are the things that are important. This is what God wants me to do and to schedule time for them. And I want to promise you, if you don't schedule time, something else will pop up and will overtake you and me. This is just a question of being responsible. Now, when I say within the time we have, if we have jobs, we are responsible to somebody else, so that's not really our free time. And there are all of these things we, we have to balance. But the most important thing about scheduling is realizing was we do have choices. And getting a calendar and writing in the things that are really, really important. Look at what Jesus did. One of his things, and we'll see, I'm going to look at a list a bit later. But one of the things we actually see here is that he realized that it was incredibly important to spend time with his father in prayer. He got up early. Now, in order to do that, he did actually have to wake up a bit earlier. Now, can I tell you, when we had little kids, I found it so hard to wake up early because I found it hard to get to sleep. <laughs> it was just incredibly difficult. So that may not work for you so well if you've got really young kids. Okay? If you're a late-night driver, or you know, there are lots of things we have to factor in. But what we see is that Jesus here scheduled in time to pray. And he realized for it to be effective within his circumstance, he had to basically block out a time when nobody else was around. So he got up early. Now, one thing we don't know is what time he went to bed. Anybody know what time Jesus went to bed? Well, certainly when he was in a boat, we know he went to bed there once. Um, we don't know. The, the reality is most people, if they don't go to bed early, they find it hard to get up early, right? So if you're thinking about um, getting up early and having some, you know, 20 minutes in the chair, we call it here, a time to sit down and, you know, really just read the Bible each day, 
a time to pray, a time to really think down and journal about what God wants me to do. It's going to be hard to do if you burn the candle at both ends. So basically, you might not even think of it like this. You need to schedule when you're going to go to bed. Now, once again, for those of us with kids, you're going, yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Because babies don't read schedules. Okay, I get that. But you need to work within what you've got. And try to make time for the things that are really, really important. Look at this uh, thing here where we read here. Um, Jesus went to a solitary place. He realized there were certain places that were more effective to do certain things. It's pretty hard to have a quiet time in the middle of a whole bunch of people. You need to go somewhere and quietly do things. And when they eventually found him, they came and said to him, Listen, forget your schedule. You need to follow our schedule. But he was strong enough and wise enough to say, no, this is what God wants me to do. Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. You see, he had this sense, very clear sense of why he was here. And if you spend time reading through the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, those books that teach us about Jesus' life down here, You'll see that he had plans and places and everybody had a, a plan for him. But he had to work out what his own plan was and actually schedule it. Now, one of the things that Jesus scheduled regularly, believe it or not, was doing what you guys are doing here today. Jesus went to church. Now, in those days, uh, and Jews, they call it synagogue. It's the same word. The Greek word synagogue means a gathering. The Greek word church, ecclesia, ecclesiastics church, means a gathering as well, a gathering of people. Basically, every week, Jesus had in his calendar that he met with other believers and he prayed with them and encouraged them. And that's one incredible way to spiritually grow. Now, sometimes, sometimes you may come to church and think, well, I don't know if I got that growth today. Andrew Morris was preaching or something like that, right? You may think that. <laughs> you would be wrong. No. Um, but my point's a pretty simple one. This is one of the ways that God calls us to be encouraged. And you know what happens sometimes when you're not here and I'm not here? Look, there, you know, it's great to have a weekend away and do stuff. I'm not saying other than that. But sometimes if I'm not here, somebody who may need encouragement from me may miss out on it. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not just all about me. In fact, the more you actually listen to God and you, and, and, and you pay attention to Him, He's always going to tell you it's all always about somebody else. <laughs> Don't worry about you. I'll look after you, says God. You need to look after the other people around you. And sometimes when you're not around, when I'm doing my own thing, some other people are missing out. That may be my family. That may be other people at church. That just maybe people that I don't even know yet, that God just wants me at times to be around, to be available for other people. But that's one of the reasons we get together as a church. It's, it's basically because God has a plan for us to bless us through this and to be blessing other people. If you're not here, we miss you, okay? If you're not here, we miss you. And you may think that I can get up and talk and I've been trained in all this. You know something? There's a lot of people, probably people sitting right next to you who are probably more interested in what you've got to say to them than what I've got to say to them. You know? 
that's probably true. And if you're not here, who's going to encourage them today? I know you think you're not that important. If you don't, you're missing the point. We're extraordinarily important in God's plan. Otherwise, I could just get up here, we could have a TV camera on me, you could sit back up in your lazy boy chair with a coffee and just watch the tube, right? But no, it's not meant to be like that. It's about scheduling time for other people in this very, very special way. In another place in Scripture, God tells us something that we really need to take very much to heart in this whole scheduling thing. I mean, in in the book, uh, Simplify, uh, the, the chap who was up on the clip, you know, and I, I, I think he's kind of right. He talks about scheduling as like one of the holiest things we can do because we've been given time to do a job for God. We may not see it that way, but that's how the Bible sees it. And realistically, um, how we decide to use that time is extraordinarily important, okay? A verse from Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, two verses. This is what it says. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. One of the biggest mistakes I ever made until I became a parent was thinking my own time was mine. Isn't that the toughest thing about becoming a parent? (laughs) All of a sudden, there's these little critters and, and first time round we had one, second time we had twins. If you thought I complained with one keeping me awake, three of them, I think I became brain dead. You know, I honestly think I started going grey when the twins arrived. I'm serious. I've got one of them down here. He's looking at me saying, you're not talking about me again, are you? Um, 23 years of it and you'll be over it. But, um, you know, one of the great things about becoming a parent, for instance, is you kind of learn in a way, it's hard otherwise to learn how dependent other people are on you. And if you're not there and if you're not doing things, these little people are going to go without. It's an incredible responsibility. And it's also an incredibly time-consuming one. And, uh, you know, when it actually says, be very careful how you live, not as unwise but as wise, what this is saying, and something we need to be really thoughtful about, and, 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 and to be very prayerful about it, is to understand that our time is given to us. It's really kind of short, you know, it is. But it's been given to us as a gift by God to be used in a way that pleases Him. I kind of talked about the people around you. The way the world lives generally is it's all about me. But the way God wants me and you to live is so that I live that it's all about you. You know, I've got to balance that as a pastor with my family and other responsibilities and each of us have to do that. But I need to live wisely because one of the things about the world that we live in is, as I said before, everybody is always coming to us and telling us this is what you should be doing, okay? And it's not necessarily a word of wisdom. Now, a word of wisdom is a word that God is giving to us. And so when it says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, wise is a code word simply for the way that God would be pleased about what we are doing. And, I, you know, I have, to, I have to think through that very carefully. And so when I look at my schedule, I have to sort of, you know, just make room for these important things and leave some things open for things I don't know that are going to happen yet. You know what I'm saying? I have to be wise and I have to live as if my time is not my own. It is a gift that has been given to me that I can share with other people. 
Look at what we actually see in, um, uh, in Luke 4, 16 to 17. I think I actually jumped a verse a bit before. But that was just basically saying that uh, when Jesus went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. I just want you to see that verse, because that was Jesus basically penciling in his day, penciling in the time when the people got together in the church, they called it the synagogue, he got together with them well. Now, last week, when Steve was, you know, really sharing with us um, uh, about from exhausted to energised, he uh, gave a, a list of things that we should all consider. They're general, we've got to learn how to fill them in properly, but uh, they're very important things, and I've got them up there, and he actually referred to them as the five keys to replenishment. They're very similar to the book, he just did a, a couple little changes, and I've just added a couple little things as well. Um, but basically, if you're feeling exhausted and, uh, and you think, oh, he's talking about scheduling and how am I going to fit things in, these are the sort of things we should be grappling with. These are the sort of things that give us that balanced life, that balanced diet of living that we should think about very carefully. I'm just going to go through them. Um, the first one is connecting with God, okay? You were created by God as I was. We were created for His purpose. When we don't connect with Him, and you may be here for the first time, just hearing this stuff for the first time, it's like we don't work properly. One of the first things we really have to do, which we saw Jesus doing, was getting up early or finding a very special time just to connect with God. We call it Daily Hope here. That's 20 minutes in the chair where you get your Bible out. We have a reading each day. We, we think about it. We pray about it. Maybe you write some notes down about it. We pray. And praying isn't just a one-way street where you're just giving God your shopping list. Praying is saying, okay, Lord, I've read this in your word. What does this mean for me? When we heard Hybels up on the screen before, he was talking about as a parent, he realized he needed to schedule in four nights a week at home. And, and in, the, in the busyness of his job with all of the demands, he was going to make four nights at home sacrosanct, okay? To be a good parent and also to be good uh, an honourable in his work, he decided he was going to honour this. And so each of us needs to sit down and read the word and pray and say, God, what does that look like for me? What am I going to put into my calendar that I'm going to honour that as well? Now, when you do this, be realistic, okay? You know, if you say, I'm going to pray for 23 hours a day and all of that. Look, when people decide to climb Mount Everest, apart from Reinhold Messner, anybody who's pedantic out there, everybody goes up in stages, okay? Don't try to change your life, just everything overnight, because you'll probably fail, okay? And nobody's trying to encourage you here to do that, but just take baby steps and let those steps grow over time. 20 minutes is a great start. Pray, listen, attend worship services and explore here at this church ways where you can serve the Lord and maybe what He's really planning for you to do here. Maybe there are relationship issues that, um, you know, that are getting in the way and stuff like that. And we at the church can really help you with things like that. We have uh, lots of courses that are going on for men and for women, okay? We want to help you be everything God wants you to be. We want to force you into nothing, okay? You hear what I'm saying? Very important you understand that. Number two, 
Number two, key replenishment. Family. Family. It's important. It's really important. It's the building block of our society that God has put in place. We have this very special relationship with family. When they're little, like I said before, it's totally up to us parents. We have to take that responsibility. We have to care. We have to encourage them. Think of how you can make your family a life-giving source of replenishment both to you and from them to you. Value what is around us. It's so easy to look at the, the grass is greener somewhere else. I'm going to do this big public stock offering and all of these things, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But when it's at the expense of your family, it is. You hear what I'm saying? When you think you're going to do all of these wonderful things for your family at the expense of your family, it doesn't work that way. We've got to invest in the things around us that God has given us. The next one is satisfying work. Now, that's harder because some of us, you know, may think, well, you know, I just got a job. I don't like my job, but there are no other jobs out there. So, you know, (laughs) in a world where there was plenty of employment, you might have more choice. But the reality is, as much as you are able, find a job you're suited for, find a job that likes you, and understand that you can actually serve the Lord at work. You really can. You can do things for the Lord. They may look like it's looking for the company, but when we're a faithful employee and we're working hard and faithful, we're actually serving God as well. And we can be wonderful representatives of God in the workplace as well. Another one is recreation. Okay? Who likes recreation? Yeah, there's three of you. Great. So the rest of you are doing it under force. Okay, I get it. I hear you. You're not working with me this morning, are you? But, um, you know, we just need to take some time just to smell the flowers, you know, just to enjoy ourselves, to go to the beach or go to Cradle Mountain. Do you guys realize we've got a gorge here in town and how gorgeous the gorge is? Some of you have lived in Launceston too long. You've forgotten about it. It's extraordinary. Just walk up there and go, wow, our God did this. You know what I'm saying? And take somebody with you, like your wife or a friend, and just... Just, in, just enjoy some time up there. I did it this week, so I'm not actually being a hypocrite, okay? Important you know that. Now, the next one is a real hypocrisy one for me, exercise. Now, I am determined to take up a sport. Darts. <laughs> but, but I'm not going to go in all at once, just a couple of throws, and then I'll work my way up to it. I'm going to have a heart attack or something like that. Now... If I'm speaking in this way, which sounds a bit funny, for those of you who don't know me too well, my life is not easy, okay? I'm married to a physiotherapist, okay? My son here is an exercise physiologist. My other daughter's studying to be an occupational therapist. (laughs) And my other daughter works for Centrelink, where I'll end up if I have a stroke, okay? Um, So I I do take a bit of, I get a bit of encouragement at home, um, about exercising more, but it's true. I'll be really honest with you. I'm 55, 54 years old. I'll be 55 in September. And the scariest thing about me at the moment is you may not look like how I look, but I look just like my dad. It's scary. And he and all of his other five brothers ended up with type 2 diabetes. So guess what? I'm on that trajectory. So you need to encourage me. But can I just tell you, 
don't ask me how is the exercise because that would just be giving me a hard time. Just say, we love you, Andrew, and gee, are those clothes a bit tight? <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. I'll probably get really offended. No, I won't. But, but seriously, guys, exercise is part of a balanced life. I need to do more of it. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about walking to work and, you know, the darts was just a joke. Well, maybe not. Who plays darts here? Maybe I'll, I'll start a dart club at the church. The hope, door of darts of hope or something like that. I don't know. Guys, I, I just really want to encourage you today. There, there was a, a, a man called Ivy Lee who was probably the original management consultant. Um, he somehow met with a guy called Charles Swab back in 1918. Charles Swab was uh, probably one of the biggest captains of industry in the US and somehow Ivy Lee got into his office. I'm not really sure how that happened. And he actually said to him when he got into his office, he said to this great steelmaker, I think I can share something with you that may change your life and the lives of those who work for you. So Swab said, well, what's it going to cost? <laughs> He's a businessman, right? And Ivy Lee said, nothing. But if you think it's worthwhile and you put it into practice and it really works, pay me what you think it's worth afterwards. And this is what he actually said to Swab. He said, at the end of each day, get a piece of paper out, put the numbers one, two, three, four, five, six, and sit down and think through, and I would say pray through, what are your most important tasks for the next day? Rank them, one, two, three, four, five, six. And then when you start the next day, start with number one. And don't move on to number two until you've actually got number one finished, and so on and so forth. Now, it's hard, you know, number one, if you're bringing up children, is not going to get sorted out tomorrow, I understand that. But just as a general rule. Now, back in 1918, it revolutionised Swab's life and his workforce. And he, in fact, sent Ivy Lee a cheque for $25,000 in 1918, which maybe hundreds of thousands, maybe a million dollars. We need to sit down and think about our schedules. We need to work out what are the most important things, those replenishment things. And then we need to ask God to help us to honour those commitments that we've written down. That is life-changing because we'll find ourselves doing the things of God um, and basically saying no to the things that have been getting in the way that aren't necessarily wrong but are not as important as these things are to our lives. Does it sound like a plan? Yeah, okay. Sounds good to me. How about we pray? Lord God, um, we just want to thank you so much um, for the wisdom in your word. We want to simplify our lives. We just want to get on with the things that are really important and enjoy the things that are really important and be a blessing to those around us and in so doing, serve you. Lord, help us. Help us to set aside time to schedule and then to honour those things that are important. And we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Now, we talked to, about Jesus this morning, how he came down to earth. He lived as one of us. He knows what it's like to be us. But he did more than just live as one of us. He went to the cross to die in our place for anything wrong we had done um, before God that would have offended God, he bore that upon himself on a cross in our place. And because of that, 
God now welcomes us as children, if we say, thank you, Jesus, I believe in you, he draws us close because of that. And one of the things we do as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is we take part in a thing we call communion or the Lord's Supper. It's a little glass of juice, a little piece of biscuit. And when we uh, eat that um, and, and drink that juice, it's one of the ways that we say publicly, Jesus, I believe you died for me in my place on the cross. I believe you've gone to be with the Father and I am one with you taking part in this life that you have now given me. What we're going to do now, and I'm just going to invite the, the ushers to, to come forward, is we're going to just have this uh, little uh, biscuit and little amount of juice. Now, if you're just here for a day as a visitor and you're not even sure what you're thinking about Jesus yet and whatever, you haven't made that commitment yet where you truly want to follow him, then please just go and pass it along. There's no reason you, you, you know, anybody's looking at you or anything like that. And I'm just going to pray now. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in our place. Thank you for drawing us close to God. In your name we pray. Amen.